I want to, to manage my business and my life in general. It's uh, an opportunity to redesign my life altogether and just ensure that I've got enough downtime, time away to be inspired because that's important. You know, whenever I travel, even if it's just traveling in the UK on a staycation, I, I'm always looking, I'm always, you know, getting ideas and, and coming back raring to go again. Are you searching for your ideal career, fed up of your daily grind, or simply want to hear some inspiring stories? Then you've come to the right place, because it's time to do a job you love. It's time to get work savvy. Welcome to yet another episode of the Get Work Savvy podcast, the show that aims to provide you tips, tricks and ideas to help you find or create a way to get paid for what it is that you're passionate about. And in this week's episode, we bring you the fascinating story from Ollie the Chock. I'm sure you've already guessed that Ollie does something in the world of chocolate and I'll let him explain exactly what it is that he does. But before we jump into the episode, I'd just like to encourage you to subscribe if you haven't already, if this is the first time you're listening. And most importantly, think about what we highlighted that Ollie mentions during his episode and that being taking time out from whatever it is that you're doing or wanting to do to give yourself time to breathe and to think and have that creativity and creativity can come in so many different forms whether you're a traditional artist we might consider or just having a new way of thinking about something or a new approach to solving a problem i personally have loads of ideas when i'm out for a walk or driving somewhere and even having a shower like so many of the cliches say but it's true quite often when you're in those moments where you're doing something totally out of the blue you give your brain that time to relax and time to replug in some of those switches to get your creative mind working where perhaps you've been putting it into overdrive and just not being able to have that clarity that you needed but without any further delay let's hear about ollie's fascinating story and discovering what it is he does and how he got work savvy So hi to Ollie and welcome to the Get Work Savvy podcast. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Liam. How are you? Excellent. Yeah, not too bad. It's uh, it's cooled down here now. So at the time of recording, just had a load of thunderstorms. So I'm uh, I'm not melting today. So that's good. <laughs> well, yeah, and it certainly helps me in my business that as well. I could imagine um, that was an accidental <laughs> pun. <laughs> so for people who aren't aware of what you do, could you just give us a brief overview of what job you're involved with and um, what you offer people? Of course, yeah. So my name's Oliver Dunn or Ollie the Choc, which uh, gives you a clue. I'm, I'm a chocolatier. I've been working with chocolate for nearly 20 years, growing up in a family chocolate business, a bit like Willy Wonka. And, um, you know, I, I have a lot of fun basically creating things with chocolate which I sell of course on the website but also experiences experiences the big one and chocolate parties is what I do fantastic I've got so many questions based off that and I'm sure like um, there's, <laughs> there's a few that I've got off of people that have been keen to hear what you do but just taking you back then so you mentioned you were in that family business of, of chocolate already is that something that you always wanted to do or growing up what, what kind of aspirations did you have for the world of work so growing up was I, I didn't actually necessarily want to become a chocolatier. Uh, maybe it was because it was too obvious to me that my mum and dad made chocolates from home. Perhaps I thought I need to think of something different to do. And I think I remember having these dreams of becoming a radio presenter or something like that, working in, in television, in radio. I think probably as, as a young child consuming that content, being entertained by it, probably thought it'd be great fun to be at the forefront of that. 
equally being a teacher as well i guess is a similar thing presenting and teaching a group of, of children that was something that inspired me as well from a young age i suppose you you've still kept some of that element because you do the the live events and you um and you still teach so fantastic to hear that you've absolutely you've still got that element of part of what you do could you take us through your journey then you you perhaps were swaying away from from going that maybe more of a presenting or, or or an educational kind of career but then what what kind of made you change your mind did your your parents open your eyes a little bit more or take us through that journey I think from outside influences, I just felt that those dreams that I had were un unrealistic. And I don't know whether that was feedback from, it must have been a combination of feedback from parents and, and peers around me. I just felt that it, it was impossible to go and do something like that. And um, it's funny really, isn't it? I just I didn't really follow that dream. I just kind of drifted along as you do. And then I slowly but surely became interested in my family, in the family business. And my dad asked me one day if I'd be interested in, in joining the business when I was old enough. And at the time, I, I didn't realize that it was something that I was interested in. For me, at 17 years old, the only thing really that appealed to me was uh, I wanted to have a car. I just wanted to have like that freedom. So with the joining the family business and working with dad would come that freedom. And when I started to, to work with my dad, I realized that I really enjoyed this um, creatively and every single day was different. So I guess the passion grew quite quickly. <laughs> I think many people can relate <laughs> to that, having kind of like a car or computer or something that they like the idea of. How did you start off? Did you just learn a few things from your dad or did you, did you get a Saturday job or how, how did you make that transition into um, your first steps to becoming a chocolatier? Well, I think I was quite hungry, really, to, to make some money, to get that car. I saved really, I worked really hard to save. I had like three jobs. I worked in a call centre part-time. I worked um, in a golf club, Stockport Golf Club, in the kitchen, which was great. So I did some cooking and lots of washing up as well. <laughs> and then working with my dad. So that was uh, a great, really interesting combination of those things. And I was also at college at the time. So they were all, you know, part-time jobs at first. And then, the, you know, the full-time opportunity came to work for my dad. And, you know, I think I realized that I enjoyed working with the family. We were fortunate that we got on really well. I also went to Belgium. So that's where I went with, with my dad to learn about tempering chocolates, where the cocoa beans come from, to give me a, a round a more fuller understanding of, of the industry. And I learned new skills over there. And when I came back and implemented them, it was, I think I've probably got some momentum with that and found it quite exciting, realizing that I could make almost anything I wanted with chocolate. And, you know, who would that not appeal to, basically? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it kind of leads me naturally onto a question that somebody on LinkedIn posed to us today. And um, that was, I mean, you mentioned there that you was hungry. <laughs> so I don't know if that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was a bit of I'm a... I'm still hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I know that Maggie's mentioned on LinkedIn, how much do you actually eat chocolate still? And has it put you off kind of working with it every day? Does that have that negative element for you? <laughs> Fantastic. I, I did notice that comment <laughs> on LinkedIn and, and funnily enough, that's the question I get asked the most. People say, you must be sick of eating chocolate because you work with it every day. And the answer is no, it's quite the opposite. I'm actually a bit of a chocoholic. <laughs> 
I've, I've been eating chocolate just before we came on the call today and I eat it every single day. I try to moderate it as much as I can and I exercise, but I'm on my feet all the time. I'm always burning energy. So I think I pretty much need it. That's my experience. <laughs> love it. love it. Great stuff. So you also mentioned how that kind of tempering course and going over to Belgium, it, it kind of opened your eyes to perhaps a different side of things that you weren't potentially aware of. So take us through some of the things you do then you do some classes is that right yeah so so the family business is called time and done chocolatier and they've still got a chocolate shop and i'm in a little village called high lane in stockport now and mum and dad's chocolate shop is next door and i've got my chocolate party room right here so i'll, I'll tell you a bit more about what i do in here in a minute but um their business is making handmade chocolate truffles so a uh, ganache which is cream and chocolate with whiskey rum orange strawberry praline all these wonderful flavors so you can choose a box of assorted chocolates and have your favorite selection so that's the business i've grown up in so i was trained by my dad to create the truffles and you know went on a course in belgium just to give me an understanding of the tempering and also just have a different uh, to be trained by somebody else uh, other than my dad just to see if i would pick up anything else uh, or learn a little bit more it, it definitely did i think it always does it's always good to explore different techniques and different ways of doing things and then you decide for yourself and um, you know you develop your own techniques whether it's more efficient or just to have the uh, the best style so piping the chocolate using molds to create different shapes so so that's that's the thing that's really appealed to me is uh, of course there's so many flavors that work with chocolate and i really like to push the boundaries with that as well i quite like to shock people if you like um creating things like wasabi and white chocolate and um, marmite and white chocolate because you know i like to believe that everything goes with chocolate if you can if you can do it right and you can get the measurements right uh crispy bacon dips in milk chocolate so all these things people pull their face and i love that because then you say okay well how about if you just try it and mm. they try it and they, 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 their expression changes and that's what's quite fun for me it's giving them not just something to, to taste but it's an experience so um, that leads me quite nicely into um, what, what I do. So I was working for my dad in the chocolate shop and I wanted to, to move into a house, wanted to get an apartment with my girlfriend at the time. And it was like, well, I'd love to pay you more money, but I can't just do that. We need to be doing something that kind of creates that revenue. So I decided to, to create my little side business, a little side hustle, which um, at the time, first of all, was going to be chocolate fountain and my dad said you know that's great but the bubble might burst on on the trend and you're a chocolatier you've got these skills can't you sort of use those to your advantage so rent a chocolatier was the original and this was before facebook came into play so you can imagine mm. it was rent a chocolatier in the yellow pages <laughs> and suddenly getting phone calls and like just basically renting myself out as a, ch as a chocolatier for weddings and parties and I quickly realized that the children's parties was where the market was at for me at the time. It was, it could go for an hour, create some chocolate shapes with the children, give them an experience that learning something new at the end of it, they've created the contents of their own party bag. And I would go off in the chocolate mobile, quite happy that I've earned some extra money. So it was a win-win situation. I'd done the chocolate parties for about 10 years, going from the children's parties to the hen party market. Uh, which is completely different, <laughs> you can imagine. And then uh, the corporate events as well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, a real variety. And I think, again, that's, that's what's been really nice over the years. No, no two days are different, right? Creating different flavors, different shapes. I mentioned that a life-size David Beckham is something that we made once just to, just to prove that there's, there's no limit to 
what can be done. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, even now. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it is a fun business. And, and, and that's the key for me. I mentioned to you before the call, you know, it is important that I make money and I make a living, but it's also really important that I'm happy. And I think I, I do put my happiness at the forefront and, uh, and obviously my customer's happiness as well. It's, it's delivering, even the word chocolate makes people happy. It makes people smile. So it's, it's about delivering them a product or an experience even more that, uh, that they'll remember creating memories. That's the passion. I think that's perfect. And, you know, it ties in that you, you've got that interest with it, but yes, it provides for you, but equally it yeah. gives you that fulfillment of making people's day. And I love the idea of you experimenting. That's another question that came up actually, ah, cool. um, was how, how often you push the boundaries and what do you experiment with? So yeah, you mentioned the Marmite, you love it or hate it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How was the reaction with that? Was that more of a hate or love or? 50-50? You know, uh, I first of all tried Marmite with dark chocolate. It just seemed, for me, it seemed logical at the time. And it's funny, sometimes what you think is logical just is not. It just does not work at all. It was just so so bitter, unbelievably bitter. So um, I think that put me off at first. Thought, oh, Marmite and chocolate doesn't work. And then I just thought, let's just try it with white chocolate, just with a tiny little bit of Marmite. And the flavour is something I can't really explain. Very, very um, interesting and, and it tastes lovely. Everybody that I gave the, this mixture to, this truffle, loved it. So it was a win, it was a love, it was a love for the market with the white chocolate. <laughs> Great stuff. I love it. Uh, you've, you're going to be converting a lot of people who are, who are anti-Marmite. <laughs> that, that would be cool. <laughs> Great stuff. I mean, I love what you said there about not necessarily giving up on perhaps an idea, perhaps trying something and then think of a different twist. You, you went with what you think works logically, didn't quite work out, yeah. and then you've reframed that to, um, to bring it back in, in a different way and, and have that success with that particular individual product. Exactly, exactly. In regards to, to where you are today, you know, fantastic success and yeah, really, really engaging um, content that you're able to provide people. And I know that, you know, with the, the horrible situation the world's in, you've been able to adapt and overcome with your online provision um, where you, you're taking people through some masterclass experiences online with your, your chocolate sets, which again, I said to you before the call, I think that's a masterstroke and a way of you adapting and overcoming the challenges that you had. What would you say your biggest challenge has been? Was it perhaps getting over that kind of idea of, I'm not sure I want to go down that obvious route, or is there uh, a certain technique that you had to learn? What's been your biggest challenge to date? Um, so I think when lockdown happened and, and you know, this, this whole time, which has been so challenging and, and so tragic for many people, um, for me, first of all, the, the worry was that I wouldn't be able to deliver the chocolate parties. And that was a panic. I, I didn't necessarily want to just go into, into a corner and just do something obvious, like make my own chocolate bars, which I do do. I wanted to continue with the, the chocolate parties, but it was, how could I do that? And also how could I, I think the challenge would be, how could I educate people that this is something that they can still do? Thank you for your kind words about the, the content, by the way, over the years, I've been creating these videos and tutorials that actually became so much more relevant during this time when people couldn't leave the house that we could send out these kits that people could then follow the tutorials and, and still do at home. So that provided a great way to keep them occupied. So great, not only for the children, but for the adults as well, something to do and experience so they don't have to leave the house. So that was really fulfilling for me. 
very rewarding to see all these pictures of all these children, the adults with the kits and the, with the bandanas that I sell as well, because I wear a bandana. So the kids with the bandanas <laughs> on, mum and dad. And it was just amazing thinking, this is brilliant. Still able to give that value meant a lot to me, but it also meant that I could continue doing what I love, which of course is interacting with people, putting a smile on people's faces and encouraging other people to be creative and have fun playing with chocolate, just like I do for a living. So the live events were really important. I quickly realized that, you know, giving, giving people a call to action, such as uh, we're going live, the kids are off school, it's homeschooling, Wednesday, 11 o'clock, it's home ec, home technology with Ollie the Chuck and my wife Kim would join me and we'd show them how to make a chocolate pizza or a chocolate bar, whatever it is. With that, they go to the website, buy the kit, come on and join us. And it was really exciting. We, we did it as an open group so that people could just watch it if they they wanted without actually doing it then they could maybe learn something about where the chocolate comes from how it's made because I would, I would show the cocoa pod and the beans as well so yeah that was that really kept me going because um obviously it was it was quite uncertain and and still is you know obviously we're not able to do the actual chocolate parties yet which was the bread and butter of my business so I'm, I'm really looking forward to to being able to do that again but it has taught me a lot of valuable lessons in how I want to to manage my business and my life in general it's uh, an opportunity to redesign my life altogether and just ensure that I've got enough downtime time away to be inspired because that's important you know whenever I travel even if it's just traveling in the UK on a staycation I I'm always looking, I'm always, you know, getting ideas and, and coming back, raring to go again. So, yeah. I love, like I said, I, I genuinely like saw kind of what you put on and was like, oh my God, this is amazing and can see how, how much help that would be. And I love that you do the education piece as well. And, and it's not just right. We're just making chocolate. It's kind of that whole science behind it and, and kind of opening people's eyes to, to, you know, something that is readily available and that perhaps we, we take for granted. So hopefully you've sort of helped inspire and to, to make people realise, you know, be that appreciative about what it is they have and have fun whilst, whilst they're in your sessions too. So um, it's a brilliant. Thank you. Obviously, super happy with where you are now. You've, you've been able to create that ideal business for yourself and, and the lifestyle. And I think also another really important yeah. thing that you mentioned there about having that life-work balance and making sure you get that time for inspiration and downtime. Is there anything you do differently? So if you were to have your time again, would, would there be anything that you would do different? As in looking back into the past and would I change anything? Yeah. So you had a, a time machine and you could go whisper in your ear to, to change anything. Would there be anything? Worry less. That's it. I wouldn't change anything because I think everything that's happened, whether it's good or bad, provides a valuable lesson. And I think every single thing that's happened has sort of made me the person that I am today. And, and I think it's, it's how you deal with situations. And um, I think lockdown is a great example of, you know, having to pivot and recreate and adapt. And, and that can be, you know, in, in times of crisis, that, that challenge can actually be quite exciting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't worry. And it's easy to say, don't worry. But I think sometimes, um, you know, I definitely wouldn't change anything that I've, that's happened in the past. But I would say that one thing is for sure, and I, I know that you've, you've talked about this in, in some of your other podcasts about, you know, where do you see yourself in 10, 10 years from now? And uh, there's no golden ticket to success and, and, and all about patience and things like that. It definitely is. And I think I've definitely had the patience and I've worked hard and I've, I've, I've made mistakes and things have gone wrong. But unless those things happen, you, you never actually learn. I don't think you can be 
the experience on the ground, suddenly you get this curveball and you have to react and find a solution. So all I would say is that for me now, I've realized that I just want to enjoy the journey. There's no destination. I don't think that there ever is a destination, whether it's in business or, or life in general. You know, there's no kind of like, when I have a house, I will be happy and that's it. Because then things develop and things change in your life and you meet somebody and when you get married, when you have children, when I set up my business and when my business makes this much money and, and you sort of start having these little pillars in your mind where you need to get to. And I think that's great because it's important to have goals and then work back from there. And I would say make goals as, as unrealistic as possible. Do what you want to do, be you, but that's the key, be you and don't be who somebody else expects you to be or who social media expects you to be. People should accept you for how you are when you're in your happy place. So, so that's the thing for me now, just, just enjoying the journey. And, you know, because before lockdown, I was thinking, I want to do 100 parties a week. Why? Why did I want to do 100 parties a week? Because I thought that amount of financial abundance would bring me this sort of happiness and uh, that's how much money I want to make. But actually, it would come with a lot of stress and I wouldn't have the time to, to create a video and make a I don't know, a chocolate school time-lapse video, do the fun bits, the juicy bits that really make me happy. So it's finding that balance of um, being able to provide, of course, for yourself and your family, but also just just having fun as well and enjoying each day. I love that. And I think people get tied up, don't they, on, on kind of if I just make it to this position or if I just take that next step or or kind of look at other people's success and kind of measure their own happiness in regards to that so yeah no i love the message that you shared there Oli, and i absolutely agree with with everything you said Absolutely. you mentioned how you use traveling to kind of go and get inspiration and and you use things to to kind of pluck ideas no matter where you are but when you're perhaps not feeling so motivated and you're not necessarily able to travel are there any kind of wise words or or podcasts or books sources of inspiration that you use to to kind of take you through those more difficult moments definitely um so there's there's a few things that I like to try and do, and uh, I think constantly learning, constantly finding more information about myself, and and learning from other people, being becoming inspired. There's certain podcasts, and um, I listen to Gary Vee quite a lot. That kind of, and, and it's not always necessarily yeah. a message, but perhaps it's sometimes just the way he delivers it. Maybe it's just his energy that he puts out, and it's it just makes you think, you know, just just do it. Don't worry about what people think. Just do do what you love. And I think that really resonates with me. And that can be like the espresso in the morning to get me going. Much like listening to music, I listen to whatever music I feel the need to listen to at the time. But sometimes just listening, sticking on a bit of hip hop in the morning in the car can actually really get me going. And I think sometimes it is difficult when you work for yourself, you can be on your own a lot. And you do need to, um, to get that inspiration that motivation and momentum is the big big thing for me as well it's tricky if you don't find that momentum to really be productive so it, it's i listen to abraham hicks as well um which is i find very valuable so yeah i i, I do a lot and i'm here in the chocolate room and I'll, i think like what what do i need to stick on now just to really get me going is there anything that you'd recommend at all liam i'm a big fan of gary v as well yeah like you say i don't consume too much of it all of the time because I think one of the things that he says is stop listening to me, go and yeah, go and do. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I do like to, to listen to him. 
I think music is a, a fantastic inspiration as well. Like just yeah. just something catchy that you're in the mood for. It doesn't have to be necessarily the same thing all the time. I do agree with you on that. I think I'm more of a listener than a reader. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I know some people like to consume lots of books. I'm a podcaster, but um, <laughs> I do enjoy like kind of listening to to books as well. And it's not great. yeah. I know the one book that I, I listened to was got attracted to it by the cover of the book, but it's called, um, oh God, I'm going to forget the name of it at the moment, but it's by the creator of Pixar. So the the guy who, um, oh, I can't remember the name. I'll, have, I'll, I'll pop it on screen and I'll, <laughs> I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd love to. But, um, but basically the, the guy who designed Pixar, he talks about his whole process and his journey and it's him narrating the story, which I, I do like as well. But one thing that I took from that was having that candor and having like actual feedback and, you know, everyone's got an opinion, no yeah. matter whether you're the, the, the director of the film or the, the janitor, like everyone got in the room and they have that kind of real open candor approach to, to how to improve something and to bring it to the next level. So yeah, that would be my recommendation. Cool. I love that. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. I'll have to, I'll have to dig out my, um, my audible <laughs> library because I've forgotten yeah, yeah. the name of it right now, but, um, but I will put that in for you. <laughs> no um, so fantastic. Like really enjoyed hearing more about yourself and, and what it is you do. Two more things to, to just ask you before we bring this podcast episode to a conclusion. Cool. The first of which is how can people find you? Obviously, they're going to be super keen to learn more about your chocolatier journey and your process. So where can people find and follow you? Okay, great. So I'm on Instagram at Ollie the Choc, and Ollie is just O-L-I. And I'm also on Facebook and, and Twitter, which is Ollie Dunn Choc, uh, which is my surname, D-U-N-N. And of course, LinkedIn as well, Oliver Dunn Chocolatier, a bit more formal there on LinkedIn. So yeah. Fantastic. So for the listener as well, I've dropped the uh, links in the comments of the show notes. So it's easy just to click away for you to, to get to where your preferred method of uh, finding Ollie is. And then last thing just to offer the listener is if you could offer every single person listening to this podcast one piece of advice, what would you say that would be? Do what you love because you can't beat it. I mean, I think it's so easy to go down the path of what you're expected to do, whether that's that your teachers at school, lecturers, family, friends, what people expect you to do. I just think, and it's not easy because sometimes you don't know what you want to do. But for me, and, and I constantly remind myself of this, do what you love. I'm doing what I love now. And I would say that before lockdown, I, my business had grown to the point where I'd become more of an agency managing a team, which was great. It was fine, brilliant. But I wasn't necessarily doing what I love, which is being creative with chocolate and also creating the content as well so that I can share it with people. So now I'm back in my little chocolate room in my happy place doing what I love. So yeah, that's my advice. Absolutely perfect. And uh, mirrors exactly the, the whole concept of this show. So just leaves us to say thank you so much for your time, Ollie. Hope that your business goes from strength to strength and uh, keep doing what you love and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much, buddy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I hope you agree that was such a fascinating interview of Ollie and really do encourage you to go and check out some of his work because he is an absolute mastermind when it comes to using his creativity in chocolate and especially I love the way that he was able to change up his business and switch direction when you know it become really difficult during um, the lockdown periods i'd love to know what you think about this episode and the podcast in general please do leave me a rating review in the apple podcast player because it really does help us to grow the show and to give other people an idea about what it's all about share it with anyone you think it will be valuable to 
Hope that this has sparked some ideas of what you can do to find your own path to getting work savvy. And until next time, take care.